Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Playlist with People. This is your host, Ruben, as always. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. She's an improv actor, a comedian here in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm talking with Jennifer. And pronounce your last name for me, Jennifer. Yeah, Giralo. Giralo. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess that I was going to say Giralo, and I said, I'm pretty sure it's Giralo. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. That's an interesting Thanks last name. Thanks for having name. me. What's the, what, what's the, what's your heritage or what's your... It's Italian. Italian. Yeah. Okay. Are you yeah. full Italian? Uh, no, I, I think like there's some Swedish and Irish kind of mix in there too. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty Italian name. Uh, I like it. As well as you can say, with <laughs> I think Italian I'll keep it. I think I like it. Yeah. 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 Gerardo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about this before we started the recording about you know performing and how you're how you've been doing more more stand up and writing more jokes and and so you know just to talk a little bit more about how that's going. Yeah, I actually have some jokes about the music that we're going to talk about later, and I kind of want to workshop those jokes with you. Oh, that'd be podcast. awesome! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have been writing a joke every day. Well. It's, you know, it hasn't been every day, but I have made it a goal to write a joke every day in 2021 and not limit myself on what kind of joke and not put barriers on this is, this has to be performed one day or this has to be finished. It's just to get me in the writing mindset. And really what I'm trying to do is find my tone, uh, find my brand. And the only way to do that is just keep writing and performing and then to feel like, oh, this doesn't feel like my joke or this doesn't feel like my voice or I'm not comfortable with this or, you know, and that's that's what my writing is kind of helping me do right now. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's a cool goal to write every day. I don't uh, I don't write a whole lot, to be honest with you. I just kind of, you know, when something strikes me or I kind of sit here and I like think about things deeply and then like something will strike me as like funny and I'll, and I'll think like, how how is that? Um, you know, what's funny about that? And I'll kind of like, I'll get to the points of what I think is funny about it and i'll kind of like my mind works that way where i like i'll find a punchline in there and I'll, I'll sort of just kind of workshop it all in my head and i'll like write it write it down on my phone notes but i think the, the practice of writing every day is is good and i and i kind of want to get more disciplined with it yeah um what would you give it what kind of advice would you give to someone starting out in comedy how many years have you been doing it um i would say this is probably like my third or fourth year now yeah. So, do you have any um, advice on someone just starting? Yeah, sure. I would just say definitely, you know, like like same thing you said, just getting getting to the mics, getting on stage, and just getting those jokes out, and like just getting that like that. I mean, you're comfortable on stage because you, I assume, because you do improv, which is great. Yeah, yeah. For some people, like I've heard some people that have never been on stage before, period. And I'm like, wow, good luck, because stand up is one of the most like isolating places to be on stage. Mm-hmm. Like you're just you up there talking, but since you have that part out of the way I would say like you know um yeah just being on stage and just like doing it and just learning that muscle of being up there um and just talking to them and just what what I think I would say as far as finding your voice as far as getting into that like rhythm of, of who you are and what you want to talk about um I just kind of for me and this is just my experience as I talk about just like stuff that's like you know just very very me very personal to me or experiences that only I I, I kind of think about or talk about um, but my comedy, the way I approach it is kind of very, 
and this isn't on purpose, but I kind of just approach my comedy very like, um, like relatable where I'm like, everything I talk about on stage, I feel is like someone can be, someone can relate to it or be like, I totally feel that way too. Um, but what I would say is for finding your voice, like what I do is I, I sort of talk, started talking to the audience instead of performing to them or instead of presenting to them. Cause you know, you write down a bit and you're kind of like, sometimes people feel like they're presenting this thought to the audience. Whereas I have more fun and I find myself more in my voice and myself when I'm just kind of talking to them as like, like you and me are talking now, not like, you know, I'm still doing my bit and I'm still hitting the, the timings and the punchlines, but the way that I kind of come across is just the way that I'm talking right now. I, because, you know, if, if this is my talking voices and this is the way that I am, um, I'm not going to go on stage and then be like, last week I went to the store and I'm not going to like change my cadence and <laughs> my tone. Yeah. Yep. I think that, that sounds a little robotic. So what you, I think the best advice I can give a stand up is just to get up there, be yourself and just like, just pretend that you're in a circle of friends and you're just all having a conversation in a way. I think that's the best thing that kind of clicked over for me when I realized I was, I was getting more comfortable on stage is when I would just talk to them like, like we're talking now, like having a conversation, presenting my ideas in a very like conversational, like you guys get it right kind of way. <laughs> yeah, like saying that without saying it. <laughs> you, guys, exactly. you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I, I love that. I think that's just brilliant advice. And sometimes that kind of comes with time too, is when you get to relax into that conversation with the audience. And you, everyone has a unique story to tell and, you know, honing in on that. And everyone brings something so different to the stage. And to be yourself and to find that on stage is really special and it'll make it, everyone's going to be different and that should be celebrated. I think it's exciting. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think also like one thing that I can definitely say changed it for me too, is when I realized when you're writing jokes, sometimes you write like thinking, what is the audience going to find funny? Are they going to laugh at this? Like what, what will they think that this punchline is funny? Um, and when you stop doing that, when you kind of just go like, what do I think is funny? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I laughing about? And I, like, and just make it very like honest, like, right. Like the things that you find funny in your head are going to be funny to someone else because it's making you laugh. And so, it's, you know, so you're, you're, you're having fun telling it. Yeah. And, yeah. Might as well perform something you think is funny. Uh, yeah. And because it's your comedy, exactly. it's your story. And, and if, if you, you think perform- it's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you think it's funny, you're definitely onto something. If you perform yeah. it four or five times and they're not laughing at all, maybe, you know, maybe you weren't onto something, but you have to find out by getting up there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely yeah. have to also like get that feedback and be like, all right, that's not working. Let me rework that or let me just drop that. Yeah. <laughs> Depends. I, you mentioned that I do have a background in improv. So I've, do, I've been doing that much longer, I'm doing that for 10 years. Wow. And. And and recently, uh, stand up. So within the last couple of years, kind of looking at stand up and write, actually writing, performing a couple times here and there, and thinking about, you know, diving into it more and 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 finding that I I really love it. I was just I and I've always wanted to do it. I'm just really intimidated by it because it's so vulnerable. We talked about how you know, honing in on that authentic story and you're by yourself on stage. You're the writer, performer, director of your own show, one person show. 
And it's, that's what makes it so scary. It's a very vulnerable art. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I like in improv, it's a team sport. Uh, and it is, you don't write or memorize anything, which I also love. And I, I do, I, I do see that it has gotten me exposure on stage and the experience on stage. So I definitely felt more comfortable on stage when I tried to do stand up. Uh, and, uh, I have, and I think improv gave me that, um, confidence to try stand up. There's a lot of overlap too. So I would recommend, you know, people trying it. If anyone has interest, uh, improvisers trying stand-ups, uh, stand-up comedians trying improv because there's a lot of techniques that overlap, whether it's like heightening or rules of three or uh, storytelling arc, um, uh, setting the uh, foundation of the premise and finding the unusual thing uh, or straight absurd scenes. There's just a bunch of overlap in the comedy. I definitely agree. Um, all, all my favorite comedians, I found out like they have an improv background. So there's something there. And um, yeah. I think what you were saying as far as like the vulnerability where you feel like stand up is, is sort of more, I think a lot of, I think a lot of standups, even if they won't admit it, um, I think, I think improv is, is pretty vulnerable and can be a pretty vulnerable place. And a lot of standups kind of feel a weird way about improv as you've probably heard, or, you know, a lot of standups won't do improv. They're kind of like, on the fence about it. And I feel like it's because improv, you kind of have to be goofy and silly and let go. And some people have a hard time doing that where, you know, like if someone's like, I threw you a tennis ball, you have to pretend that you caught this tennis ball. And like, some people don't want to go to that place of silliness and let themselves go. Some people are just too like uptight and just want to be like, ah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's goofy. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. So, and, so I think the improv is pretty vulnerable as well, you know? Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I, I hadn't, kind of thought about it like that in terms of, I guess I just do it. And when it comes from your perspective, I'm like, oh, I guess it, it definitely is. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a vulnerable art as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought about it because I was, because there was this like weird stigma when I first started standing up around improv and I was always wondering what that was about. And it was like, I think what it is, is like, it's like the hard, it's like the tough guy comics, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the New York, like you said, the New York comedy seller, like the, the Dave Attell, like the cigarette smoking tough guy comics that like they're too cool to like to let go and to be goofy and i feel like that's what it is, is it's that mentality of like i'm not, like I'm, I'm not doing that i'm just gonna be i'm gonna tell my truth i'm gonna be on you know up here and doing this but it's like improv is the people who, who are who can just go i'm gonna let go and i'm just gonna be a goofball and i'm not gonna care what anyone thinks about this and i'm not gonna care how i look up here and i think that's that's pretty awesome yeah and there's a lot of yeah so, and that's that that to me is a great tool that you can take into stand-up that that like not caring like if you seem too goofy or too silly or or being able to just be be silly and be goofy to me is some of the most fun stand-up and that's what i love about it yeah i i think i struggle with both in improv and stand-up i struggle with committing to a bit and in improv i will either, you know, drop a character or a gift that someone gave me <laughs> because it is, you have to go there and be goofy, commit to it, dive into that, or I'll break and I'll laugh at it, which is, um, 
sometimes not as funny, but it's super funny to me. And in, I think I could take a lot to, you know, apply that to stand up in committing to it. And if this is true, what else is true? And kind of building that world through diving into it a little bit more. Definitely. And I think that some advice I got with stand up from a friend is, is, which was really good advice as far as committing to a bit um, is like, you know, he's like, if you write, if you write this, this bit, right. And in this bit that you write, there's a character or a guy that you're talking about. If that guy has like an accent or that guy talks a certain way, like do that. Like if, if that's how it is in your head, then do that. If there's a pirate voice, then do a pirate voice. Like whatever that is in your head that made you laugh originally, if you wash that down and you're too embarrassed to go that far, sometimes I think the bit won't go over as well as if you like really act it out and you really put it, put all the, all of it into it. And I think that, that again, that's, I think improv is probably something that teaches you that skill, which I think um, is, is great that when, when you're doing an act out to fully lean into it, to fully get into that character, to like not back down from that and just like kind of keep going with it. And I think that, the commitment alone and the and the the dedication to a bit alone, I think, is what makes sometimes a great stand-up act. Yeah, I uh, I'm also taking um, I haven't taken any sketch classes, but I'm interested in kind of the full umbrella of comedy. So, you know, sketch uh, or satire, like all of that, kind of just. Uh, shaping out my comedy skills too and how they inspire each other but i i am taking some voiceover and voice acting classes during this time and i want it to help like the podcasting that i'm doing but i also want to see how it can affect either the act out work in stand up or character development in improv and that commitment we're talking about yeah, that voice acting is cool. I, uh, that's uh, how's that going? Are you? Uh... Oh, it's great. There is a really great uh, class with Real Voice, Real Voice LA. They have drop-in classes every weekend, and I took, I took one of those, and it was just like I learned so much from one class. And then Rise Comedy Theater uh, out of Denver has online classes as well, and so I highly recommend them. That's super cool. Yeah. Ideally, if you could be doing like a voice, like what kind of voice would you be doing, or what kind of character could you see yourself in a, in in something? In like a like in something, uh, I want. I mean, I'm kind of interested in. Well, I'm kind of interested in like an audio book. Oh, that'd be like cool. Reading reading for an audio book, uh, like something like something soft. And whispery, <laughs> you know, and then, and then, um, just narrate Twilight, yeah, yeah, Twilight. <laughs> and then, I mean, it, I mean, I'm fascinated with like video game characters, uh, and or animation. I mean, I really admire them, yeah. but I don't have a ton of training in that. And I think, I think it also comes from me never really, I never really liked my voice before. And now that I'm doing podcasting and seeing myself recorded a little bit more, it's helping to like really appreciate my voice and it's unique and uh, I love it. I love it for that. And now I'm kind of seeing it as an instrument and what I can do with it in comedy. And that's kind of where the voice acting classes. I also took like singing lessons last year, just a little bit before 
some of the shutdowns and I wanted to, not that I want to become a singer, but I, I like, I like singing and I just want to, I want to see my voice as a tool. And I think like that's something I'm trying to uh, strengthen in improv and stand up is like w isolating like these like tools that I have. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing like a lot of like a self uh, exploration or self appreciation. Yeah. 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 It's very cool. I, th I think quarantine is kind of gave us that, which is nice where it's like a lot of people had like nothing to do for a year. And I think a lot of people had to figure out like, because of all the time we were given, like, what do I want to try? What, what have I ever, what have I wanted to get into? What have I not had a chance to get into that I've thought about? And I think that it's been a really cool opportunity to like be able to explore some of that stuff. Yeah. Especially with the online classes and opportunities um, there that I've, I've been really grateful for that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I could, could talk, I could talk about, all day i, I just love you, it yeah. and there's a lot of the reading that i've been doing too during this time like so many improv books and stand-up books and it's been there's been a lot more time to them i also read uh i listened to maria bamford's you are a comedy special which i highly recommend it was an amazing book she's so great i love maria yeah. bamford <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's a big one for me too is i feel like um with finding your voice and with like uh with you know, finding out who you want to be on stage. I think watching a lot of comedy, like you said, and just watch being inspired by creative people, you find the comics that you're kind of like, you know, not that you would like bite their sound or say like, that's exactly how I want to be on stage, but you find certain comics where you're like, oh, that's how I kind of want to come across on stage. And it helps you kind of shape who you want to be. And in, in a way, we're all kind of playing a character up there a little bit. So when you find that stand up that you're like, ah, that's like, ah, that's the one that I feel like if I was on stage doing a, a special, that's how it would kind of be. Um, when you start to figure that out, it kind of helps you shape your voice a little bit. And then you kind of pick bits and pieces from different comics. I like how the way he does this or she does this. Um, I think, I think Maria Banford has shaped like a whole generation of female comics, especially like, you know, like she's such, she's such a legend. Yeah. And with her talking about mental health, I mean, that's been yeah. inspiring as well. Yeah, I love uh, love her style. I I resonate with it and admire it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she to me is the epitome of um, vulnerability and strength. Yeah, and she's yeah. So, she's so sweet. And um, I, I heard this funny story on another podcast where uh, she was she like went to an open mic and this guy was you know running this open mic. And Maria Banford comes in and she just you know, doesn't really say much. And she, she just writes her name on the list and she, you know, she's like, writes her name wherever it's like 16 or something. And the guy's like, Maria, you don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to, like, you're Maria Banford. Like, you don't have to. She's like, it's okay. I'll, just, I'll hang out. Like, she goes to an open mic, you know, like, she's Maria Banford and she just puts her name 16th on the list. Like, she's that humble where she's just like, you know, she, she doesn't come in and say, oh, like, put me up now or put me up whenever. Like, she's just been doing this yeah. for so long and she just will. She's she's okay with sitting in the back of a room and waiting her turn, like so yeah. humble and so great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, awesome. I <laughs> can I tell you um, my uh, emo music joke? Yes, yes. Let's okay, let's workshop okay. this. Okay, we're we're gonna workshop my emo joke, and it is all right. I have a stand-up comedy. Um, do you write on your computer? Do you write on your... On my phone? Yeah, I do my phone notes too. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how do I organize this? Like bits you're working on, like a premise in progress and then like kind of jokes you feel comfortable right. with. I heard to like have, you know, several, you know, physical notebooks. That way one's like finished jokes you'd take up on stage and yeah. working on jokes. I don't know. Um, so there's two that I want to work on. One is more punchy. One is more of a premise that you you can you can help me finish. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this one is. Uh, did you know? Did you know that the music you listened to when you were 15 years old made the most impact on you? That means Smash Mouth has shaped my worldview. <laughs> I am truly an all star. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sadly not getting paid. <laughs> um, but I did listen to a lot of emo music in the early 2000s, which shaped my idea of romance, which is why my heart is now in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that. That's <laughs> great. Silly. And I love that. I love the, the idea of like the, the you know music shaped you uh, when you were 15. Yeah. yeah. The, the Smash Mouth line is really awesome. Okay. And then, yeah, yeah, I think you can go so many ways with it too, with like the emo part of it, like just saying, you know, you the Ohio, the Ohio's for lovers references, or uh, yeah, if that if you try that reference and then people aren't like getting it or whatever, because I get it because I like emo music. It's okay. Some, yeah, like not everyone would get that. Right. So if people don't understand it as well, you can find a, maybe a different reference to put in there. But other than that, I think it's a fantastic joke. Okay. I think I'll I think I'll keep workshopping that one. I will, and then I want to do something with. Um, specifically, where are you? Um, so basically when I was, when I was younger, I talked about how like emo music shaped my idea of romance. I'm trying to find it. I'll just tell it to you. Um, and basically I wanted to do something around like when I was younger, I would hear like a taking back Sunday lyric about a guy outside their window you know, watching and like stalking and like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would just be like, oh my God, he's so, he's so mysterious. He's so romantic. <laughs> and now it's like, I re-listen as a, a 31 year old woman. And I'm like, if I saw, if I saw anyone outside my window, I, they have, you know, they have 60 seconds because the cops are on their way. Like, <laughs> you know, like uh, I, and then like, uh, so I like how the lyrics, I used to just idealize all those lyrics as this, you know, young girl. And now as an adult woman, I'm just like, whoa, boundaries. You need to see a therapist. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not caretaking this. Like you need to kind of reflect on, you know, I'm not responsible for <laughs> your emotions here. Yeah. So I want to like, that's kind of like my premise, but I don't like the whole, just the whole like re-listening to it. I would, I was just like shocked at these lyrics. I was like, I listened to this, you know, I still, honestly, I still love it. I listen to it every day, but yeah, I'm still like, I can, I hear it differently. I think it's because when we were like 15, you know, it's like you heard these lyrics and you're like, you're imagining the singer of Hawthorne Heights standing outside of your window. And you were like, yeah. yes, I would love that. But you're like, that, guy, <laughs> that's like, that guy's not singing outside of anyone's window. Yeah, no. Or, no, no, like he's on the guy. The guy standing outside of your window. They wouldn't. They're they're. It's just like a random sad boy, you know, from your high school. Yeah, yeah, but like it romanticized, you know, stalking, yeah, and as or jealousy as like kind of normal 
in romance and yeah, these a lyrics, lot of these lyrics of like you rip my heart out of my chest and i'll never feel again and it's yeah. like we're, we're 15 like we'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> which was like cathartic to hear like here's the anger yeah and still i you know i mentioned to you like i had a really bad week last week and i when i'm feeling down i still listen to that music and i it feels good to listen to sad music when you're sad it does. <laughs> so there's a role it plays but it's hard it's also tough because uh you know currently listening to that music there's a lot of violence against women there and is. so Dude. it's also tough there it's weird a lot of the lyrics are very that way and it, and it kind of i thought about i was like yeah this is kind of strange like a lot of the lyrics are like about how violence towards women like they a lot of songs like they they really were okay with just like calling like saying like you whore or like you know like that was a, that was a big thing and like especially with the more yeah. screamo and the heavier music mm-hmm. like like those bands like attack attack and stuff like they would say that a lot yeah and i was just like wow it's kind of like really demeaning <laughs> it's kind of like you know this yeah. it, it's, it's really was like kind of toxic male traits in this i watched the movie i used to love this movie when i was emo and when i you know was in the in the full-on emo stage of my life i used to love the movie 500 days of summer Oh, same. It yeah, was like I do my like, favorite yeah. movie. Like, nice. it, was, it was such a sad movie. It was such a yeah. emo movie with you know beautiful emo references and Smiths and. Um, but now I watched it re- very recently, and I was like, "Man, these people are both super toxic. Like, he's toxic, she's toxic. It's a pretty toxic relationship." <laughs> and I'm like, "This isn't like, it's not yeah. very romantic. It's kind of more just like these two bratty people that are like want their own way." I think we had a lot of that in our culture, like not only the music we had like it was in our tv shows and it was in our movies of like showing toxic relationships but there's still things we grow up on and we're watching and they're not labeled as toxic (laughs) they're not like this is an example of what not to do like i watched friends growing up and just kind of thought that's just how people have conflicts they just yell at each other and they throw things and then they lie or like, you know, and that's, um, that is a bad example of healthy relationships. So it shapes, it shapes us, you know? Definitely. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, being older, you start to see it and you're just like, oh, that's, it. yeah, you kind of, they don't teach a lot of like self-love and, and there's a lot of theme of like, like I said, if you, if you leave me, I'll never be the same again. I'll never be happy again. Like you are, right. you are my happiness. And without you, and that's I'm, not good. Not good to feel that way. No, we have to be our whole selves. We have to take care of ourselves. And I mean, to put everything into one person, um, and you know, is is harmful. It's a burden. It's a burden on them, and it's a burden on yourself. It's like putting someone on a pedestal. And I think what it is is like we we. I think there was a point when you're younger um, and you like you're in love or you're dating and it's like you I think because of movies and because of music and TV shows like when you meet someone and there's a spark and things are going well you like you think like oh it's happening the the thing I saw in the movie is happening I'm falling in love this is mm-hmm. my this is my story it's unfolding in front of me this, this is my story this is the yeah. person and then when when it doesn't work out or life hits you and then or when they 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 aren't honest or they aren't perfect um, you know, because we, we put them on such a high pedestal, we expect this perfection from them and they're just a flawed human that's trying to figure it out as well. 
And that's a hard thing to learn is when it's like you're this person isn't perfect and they shatter your whole image of, of perfection and what being in love means. And it's like every I think everybody has to go through that heartbreak and learn that like and go through those stages of like heartbreak and dating and learning that like, this, you know, someone can't someone isn't isn't your your key to happiness like at the end of the day you are your key to happiness and you have to find that and then you have to find someone else who is happy and you meet in the middle and it's this perfect thing but that's that's probably what perfection is you know that was the most beautiful analysis i've ever heard and something i needed to hear when i was when i was uh listening to this music for the first time uh, I'm gonna go to some high school and just tell 15 year olds this. I'm gonna be like a 15 year old. Yeah, school, just like you need to <laughs> develop yourself. Uh, I think we could go through emo songs, like pop lyrics, and just like you know how how a healthy relationship could handle this, or how what a therapist would say to each like lyric. Or I would love to see the album of that band, like released today on like what they've learned and how they've changed um and actually one of the examples i feel like i kind of got to see the journey with a little bit is i, I think there are several examples but one i can think of is paramore mm -hmm. and uh you know I, I love their early work but one of my favorite albums is um is uh is it <laughs> great it's my favorite album and i'm like i don't know it's like the recent one is it called is it called after laughter after laughter after that sounds familiar uh i know i just know that the single is called something after the party. fake happy year let's see we got spotify here <laughs> got it. after laughter you're right nice so you know they went through a lot and uh the music felt like so real after going and after growing and personal development and it was just a journey especially with their like early work and it just it really felt like one of those like examples of how we kind of grew with these bands we grew up with these bands it's a beautiful album yeah i, I gotta listen yeah. to the album more i really haven't um but yeah Haley williams has been through so much and she's yeah. dated different people in the in in the music industry and in the scene that like have let her down. And she's been through I, I, a lot of her personal experience is really interesting. And she's been through a lot. And and she, I think she definitely grows with her music. And she seems like a grown person. And I know that just recently, I think one of their old members came out and said some really like homophobic thing or whatever. And she kind of made a statement where she was just like, "Well, that's why he's not in the band anymore because like you know she's like I'm I'm not like that and I don't put up with that." And, and she's like, and that was part of the reason that, you know, he's not in the band anymore to begin with is, is some of the things that he would say. Or, so, so she's, I, Haley Williams is someone that I really respect. And she's just, I, I listened to her solo album not too long ago and it's really good. Um, but she seems like she's, she's definitely like this like butterfly of a person that's like gone through this huge transformation and just like has come out on top and like has, it's like a really nice thing. You know, like there, there's a point where you could have seen Haley Williams could have taken a dark turn and like gone down this like path that a lot of stars go down. And like kind of like like the Lindsay Lohan stories, and you know where it's like they, they kind of crash and burn. But um, Haley Williams kind of I think really has come out strong and come out a, a cool and awesome person. Yeah, yeah, she's another role model. She's awesome. I uh, I also want to mention, I think you may appreciate 
this idea. I want to pitch you an idea. Yeah. I don't know if you're into musicals. I am. How would you like an emo musical? That'd be amazing. I think it <laughs> should be. Okay, so is it going to be like an emo musical where it's like emo music uh, performed as a musical? Or is it like the experience of an emo kid, the musical? I haven't vetted out what ex- I've, 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 I've actually played with a couple of things. Um, one, I kind of want that blend of, cause I, I watched Green Day's musical American Idiot mm-hmm. and the music is so amazing that you want to, you know, kind of rock out to it, but you're sitting in the theater seat and I was like, oh, this feels different. But I want a blend of that. I want a, an emo musical. I want to write this, but I can't write music. Um, <laughs> but I want an emo musical that has like a mosh pit, but also theater seats. Um, and it feels like a concert. And you would have wristbands and merch in the lobby and kind of stuff like that. I want to call it 15th anniversary tour because I feel like we're seeing a lot of those like comeback tours, reunion yeah. tours, and they're very popular. And uh, I want tickets to all of them. Take my money. And sure. <laughs> so I kind of want that, but it's also for the reason of uh, at age 15, you know, we were the most influenced by this music. So I either want it to be like a parody, like parody musical, like literally the same kind of tunes, but parody music so that we all like feel that nostalgia but it's like kind of satire on toxic masculinity and um toxic romance and and buying our nostalgia kind of thing like stuff like that uh or i want it to be like a fictional story where it's something that's fictional but it's written in the uh as an homage to emo music like emo music and it sounds like an emo album but it's like some sort of story that'd be really cool that's a really good idea (laughs) yeah i wish i could i just have had it for a little bit and i'm like this is i don't this is a lot of work but i also that's one of those like pinnacle of your career type of uh you know like those ideas where you're like one day when i like have all the right contacts and i have all the right tools like i'll make this thing happen yeah. It seems like a big that seems like a big production. But if they've done right, it could be so good. Yeah, I want the album to like stand on its own. Yeah. You know, like a you know, I, I listen to a lot of musicals and sometimes they stand on their own, sometimes they don't, but I want it to sound like an emo album. Yeah. And uh yeah, I want that. And I'm sure it could even have like yeah, like cool like cameos from different like emo people and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. That'd be so cool. That would be really cool. Also, like circling back to the thing you were saying about analyzing different emo lyrics for different, like, that's like that could be a whole separate podcast, like, like yeah. breaking down like musical lyrics from back when you were younger and being like, why is this a weird lyric? Or let's talk about let's, let's break this lyric down more. Yeah, even investigating it. anything the writer said about the yeah. lyric, I used to do that a lot more. But what 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 were they trying to say, and what does the audience interpret it as, and how do yeah. we interpret it today? Yeah. And it could I, be called Did This Lyric Age Well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Also, I feel like a lot of times it could also just be like, you know, when you're in an emo band or when you're writing a lyric, you could just be like playing that character. Like a lot of rap is like talking about, you know, this certain theme of like, I got money, I got cars, I got this, I got that. But like a lot of them don't have that, but a lot of them are just playing that role. 
and being that rap character. And so maybe some 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 of the times it might not even be the lyrics might not even have meant much. They might have just been, eh, I just wrote that because I was an emo yeah. band and I just needed a theme for this song. Yeah. And it was a general type of it wasn't a specific person I was talking about, you know? Yeah. I wanna try writing some emo lyrics. I used like, to be I used to have an emo little uh me and my friend, my friend played acoustic and I would like sing. And we played really sad songs. <laughs> and I was, I was an emo boy, and I we sang some emo songs. Um, did you? Yeah. What did you? What was your vibe? Did you it, play anywhere? Yeah. Well, we just played like in like when I grew up in South Florida, so we played like a, a venue there. We played like a couple times. We only played live probably like three or four times. It was mostly just like us hanging out and like writing songs, but it was it was cool and it was very like I'm I'm kind of embarrassed of it now just because I'm not that. I'm not that sad and I'm a pretty happy dude. <laughs> and I think like back then I was like right out of like that high school, I, I was going through the things that I w- we were just talking about where I was like in love and I was like, thought that this person was gonna be my person. And then we broke up and like it shattered my whole world. And I was this really emo sad boy. And I was really leaning on the lyrics back then. And really like listening to a lot of like dashboard confessional where like he just was like, heartbroken and i was like he's saying all the things he's like, going through it yeah he's saying all the things i could never say and so i was mm. writing a lot of stuff like that mm. that was kind of just like very like you shattered my entire world yeah. lyrics and now, yeah. now but now again as a 33 year old man I'm like I don't, I don't stand behind my own lyrics that i wrote <laughs> it wasn't yeah it wasn't, it wasn't all that bad and and i could have done a lot differently in that relationship too you know so yeah analyzing it now yeah what if like a lyric was like you you shattered my heart in a million pieces. You were my everything. But after going to some therapy, <laughs> I realized, you know, I mean, we could still feel that, um, feel that sense of uh, validation of like, yeah, you are feeling this way, but like, and some solutions. So we could help emo songs just rebrand themselves a little yeah, we can, we can go. We can call it emo therapy. Emo it's therapy. Chemotherapy, it's emo therapy. Emo therapy, beautiful. But I, yeah, I think that um, yeah, like that'd be a funny like parody like comedy band to make an emo band, but it's, it's very self aware lyrics. Oh. And it's very like it's very like it's very like growing lyrics where it's like it's emo music, but it's very like I understand everything you're. I understand that you're in your own place right now and you need some space. And I'm gonna totally give you that space. I'll be here whenever you're ready. <laughs> I would totally give you that space. Listen, we're in an argument right now, and I just need to calm down. So I'm just going to walk away from this argument before it gets a little more toxic. <laughs> Opening track is called Never Go to Bed Angry. It's just <laughs> resolving your issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's something there. You have a lot of good emo ideas, a lot of good emo stuff that's in the works. And Some speaking of po- emo ideas, yeah, we'll hop into our emo playlist here soon. Uh, but before we do, I just want to kind of give you a chance to talk about some of your podcasts. You have a few podcasts that you do, right? Yeah. So I am co-host on a podcast called Bish Don't the Podcast, and co-host of Building Bridges Improv Podcast, as well as co-host on listen to our improv podcast and those are all on spotify and you can check them out and we hope you laugh 
<laughs> That's awesome. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check them all out too. Um, and yeah, make sure everyone check those podcasts out. How how has it been like doing a few podcasts? How's it been like juggling those podcasts? Has it been has it been easy? Has it been challenging? The most energizing thing, and they have kept me. They've just kept me going, and they've kept me creative and energized. Feels like I'm performing, but I get to record remotely with my friends. And so it's been uh, truly a gift. <laughs> yeah, I love doing this podcast and I really am like trying to figure out different ways to approach it. And I even like one day when I have another podcast, you know, I think definitely like there's other ideas that I want to work on and it's, it's podcasts are great. And it's, it's been something that I've consumed for the past few years. And it's, it's so, it's such a cool medium. And I'm glad that so many people are into it and that it's like a thing and that, I don't know. I, th- I think it's just, it, it is just what we do now. It's, it's, it's our newest it's our newest and freshest and most fun form of media. It is. I didn't, if I were 15 years old and I was looking at 31 year old Jen, I would never think I would do podcasts. Right. <laughs> um, I wouldn't know what that is, but also, also a medium where I'm just using my voice. 15 year old Jen would be like, no, thank you. No, nope. true. Yeah, we're not doing that. But I, I wonder if when we were 15, if we would have listened to podcasts, you know, like the first thing I heard that I was that, that was sort of like a podcast is I used to listen to. So I remember AP magazine, alternative press. It was like a staple in the emo world. Like if you had to find out what bands were, you know, like uh, AP magazine, I used to buy it all the time. But they started having a thing uh, in the early in, the, in iTunes where it was like AP talks and they would talk with different artists. And I, and I heard an interview with with like Anthony Green from Circus Revive, with like um, all these different artists um, that I liked. And I, and I was listening to that and I didn't realize back then that that was a podcast. I was like, these are cool interviews and these are like very in-depth and I'm learning these. Like I heard one with like Oliver Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon. And like, there's such a cool story about how that whole band got started. And like that, I was so into that. And I was like, this, I want more of this kind of format for things that I enjoy. And then like years later, I started listening to podcasts and looking back that that was the first podcast type of format that I think I listened to. So I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder if when we were younger and 15, and maybe that's why kids these days are a little more aware. Maybe when we were 15 and we were sad going through it, if we had podcasts to type, help us like work through our thoughts, if we would have been more yeah. a, a mature 15 year olds. I am learning so much more than I ever learned. I feel like because there's content for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the podcast world, but also TikTok has content for everything that's like teaching of every kind of topic you can think of. And I feel like podcasts are very similar. There's, I mean, I literally Googled one about how to make a great podcast. There's podcasts about podcasts. I did too. Yeah. And yeah, and they're great stuff. So it's, I mean, I think that's the beauty of having so many and people speaking to their their specific skills or talents or their unique experiences. Yeah. And I think it circles all the way back to the start of our conversation where we talked about having your own voice and how, um, you know, the stand-up advice, I think the same thing goes for podcasting is like, sometimes I think about this and I overthink this a little bit, but I just try to be myself and I try to just have real conversations like we're having now. And I think that that's all you can do. And if people like it, they'll come to it, you know, and they'll build it and they'll come and someone will like what you're doing. Someone will like what you're talking about. Someone yeah. will, will relate to you. As long case. as you like it. <laughs> exactly right. As long as you like it. Yeah. 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 Or else who are you doing it for? 
Exactly. Yeah. That's the token of the, that's the token of wisdom for today, guys. All right, so let's jump into the playlist now. Let's do it. So we're each gonna choose five songs. We're gonna take turns, uh, just talking about an emo song. We're gonna and at the end of this, we're gonna put out a playlist. It's gonna be a ten song playlist. It'll be available on Spotify, and I'll put it on YouTube too because I like to put some uh, playlists on YouTube for the music videos. Um, and you guys check it out. And I hope you guys like this emo playlist. Whenever you're ready, Jennifer, let me know what the first song you're gonna add to the playlist is gonna be. I'm so excited. I am and too. My, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be listening to this playlist a lot, but uh, yeah. So my first one is going to be The Used, uh-huh. uh, Take It Away. <laughs> you got to start with them. The Used, Take It Away. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. that That's the first song this on album, Love this and album Death, was right? Good. Yeah. This it's album, a good album. This album, like, yeah, this album leveled up. It's like when you're emo, you're like, there's levels, and then like this one like leveled you up a little more. It was so incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a my, good one. Me and my friends, the day this was, because we all loved the first used album. Mm-hmm. The day that this album was released, we all went to the, on the bus to the mall, and we all bought it from Hot Topic, and we all like drove home on the bus listening to this, and just like it changed all of our lives at the same time. Yeah, Hot Topic is where you bought your albums. This album, it was like a, exclusive, I... like on sale. Oh. Use premiering at Hot Topic type of thing. Where did I buy my? Usually, I bought albums. mine at like Fye. I think is where I bought yeah. Them. Best Buy for some reason is coming Best to mind too. too. I would go to be- yeah, I would go to Best Buy a lot for my albums. Mm-hmm. Physical CDs. That used to be the thing. You would an album would get released. You would go buy it. You would go to a place and get the album and put it in a CD player. How are we going to explain batteries. this to generations? <laughs> it's going to sound like rock and chisel. Remember, remember when it, the CD was all scratched up? Yeah, <laughs> and there'd be that one part of the CD that you just never knew what they what, what was happening there, and like even when you would import it into iTunes, the iTunes would import the scratch part, <laughs> and so you never fully had like a good you version. Never. Of then you heard like the clean copy of it, and you're like, "That's what, that's what the song sounds like." That drum solo is awesome. The, okay, this is yeah. this is good. But so take it away. So tell me why you picked that song. So it's it's the first one on the album. Um, I uh, it's just one of my songs I go to for. It's like it was like my twenty twenty like most played song, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just one of my go to uh, emo songs current day. And you know that for the nostalgia, but also like I still love the energy in it yeah and it gets me pumped up but also i could feel happy with it and angry with it i think something i've learned recently which is kind of weird because i should have learned this from pixar's inside out (laughs) is that i can feel multiple emotions at once and that's okay and that's very normal and uh take it away does that for me (laughs) I really get that. I could see this as being like it's like you can be angry to this song. You could also like work out to this song if you wanted to. Oh, you know, yeah. You could like yeah. a workout emo playlist. Yes. That, that that should be the next one. Next time you're on, we'll do the <laughs> workout emo. Yeah, I also have a dance emo. That's amazing. Which you know, same thing, but yeah. Mm. Good choice. Take it away okay. by the use. What's yours? Uh, so my first song I'm gonna choose. Um. I'm going to go, you know what, I was. I put this later on in the thing, but we're on the subject of the use. Let's keep it going. I'm going to go with All That I've Got by the use. 
Nice. Um, the reason same I chose album? Same album, In Love hmm. and Death. The reason I chose this song, it was funny, is like, it was such an emotional song. And it was such a sad song. And, you know, um, I'll be just fine pretending I'm not. I'm far from lonely. And, you know, and every, it was such a sad. But this one, funny enough, like, I found out that the, this, all the lyrics in this one, he had a, a dog that died. And so the, the song is actually about his dog. Dying. Oh, I didn't know that. But everyone thought it was about like a heartbreak from like a, a woman. But I, yeah, I didn't know that. He was just very sad about his dog. I remember this music video. Yeah. We, another thing that like kind of takes us back is like music videos were such a big deal. I think they're still kind of a big deal, but like watching them on TV, I guess was. <laughs> used to, yeah. Yeah. I used to have like my, my, this is so this is gonna sound so old. Um, I have my mom had like these VHS tapes, like the home record, the VHS tapes that you could like record stuff on, and I would make like my own little like you know kind of like playlist or mixtape, where like I would have the VHS cassette in there and I would have MTV on, and when my music video would come on that I like, I would hit record, and so I ended up having like this like playlist of like all these music videos that I would record on one VHS. We deserve so much respect for all the work that we had to do to yeah. consume <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> And it was always like 10 seconds into it because you were slow with the hitting record. So like every video would not have the first 10 seconds of it. But <laughs> yeah, you said to sit around and just wait for it to come on and just hope that it would come on. Yeah. It was like you were home every day on your couch playing in the lotto. Just like, come on. you. <laughs> the music video lotto. It's like, no, nah, it's an all-American rejects. I got to wait for this to be over. Oh, and then I'll be on. They were good one. too. Yeah, they were good too. The use the too, like I just got to say before we move on from the use is like, my, well, so me and my girlfriend, like, it was, like, her favorite band. It's, like, a big reason we bonded is over music and over emo music in particular. Um, this album cover with, like, the heart dangling from the tree, from the noose, like, I think every emo kid, if we could have gotten tattoos when we were 15, we all would have had this tattoo. <laughs> like, I, I swear to God, I was like, I'm going to get this on the, on the tattooed on me one day. I'm glad I never did. Um, <laughs> but it's such an iconic album cover and such like, an awesome album, emo album. Did you, uh, did you, do you have tattoos? I have a lot of tattoos. Yeah, I have a bunch. Oh, cool. Cool. I don't have nothing emo. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I had an emo lyric on me that I just got covered up recently. Oh, okay. So nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, so my next one is Taking Back Sunday, and it's You're So Last Summer. Yes. <laughs> and this one is one of my favorites to, dramatically act out in the mirror or the car <laughs> i good. play both parts oh you play the fred and the <laughs> love it <laughs> yes i do they had some good music videos and they they were they were really good taking back sunday and this song especially yeah yeah i, I remember the cd came with like a dvd like some remember cds used to come with dvd sometimes it would have like a few music sometimes, videos yeah. or some backstage or like some in, interviews and stuff yeah or like the lyric books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to just sit and like look through lyric books and like I look at all the bands that like they would shout out and I would discover other bands that way. Oh. <laughs> Special thanks to this band, this band, this band. Oh, cool. I didn't do that. I used That's to do very that smart. Time. I was just nerdy and lonely. That's super smart. That's like the that's like the algorithm before the algorithm. That was like, yeah, that was like related artists before related artists. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really was. Very cool. <laughs> This is a great this is a great song though. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good hurt song. Good hurt song. This yeah. is this is gonna be a good playlist. <laughs> um so for my next one, I'll I'm gonna choose uh the band Lydia and I'm gonna go with the song One More Day. 
this album. Don't know them. Oh, you don't know Lydia? Lydia, so you're gonna love it. It fits right. They're very sad. Um, Lydia, Lydia has actually from Mesa, Arizona. Um, nice. Which I wish I grew up here because of that. But I love Lydia. They were an amazing uh, emo band. And this song, One More Day, is from the album Illuminate. This album Illuminate is like one of those albums you just listen to straight through. And it's like a perfect emo album. It's like a wow. rain, it's like a rainy day emo, emo album, and it's like kind of like gloomy out, and you want to just like relax and like listen to a really like pretty emo album. I highly recommend this. I think you're gonna love it. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I love new music. They're, that's really cool. They're they're back from that era. Like they 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 were around back in those days. But um, they, they still make music, so they're they're yeah. very exciting. Yeah, but I'm excited um, for you to hear this. Yeah. Do you listen to a lot of like um, newer or like younger emo bands and things that are out there? Like, there's still a lot of bands out there making emo music today. Or like, do you, are you into some of that, um, or is it more nostalgic for you? I think the two newer ones, not newer, but the two ones that I've recently discovered are. Uh, Sundressed, okay, which is yeah. from here. Yeah, uh-huh. I love Sundressed, and and Set It Off, which is from Florida. Set it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, think, I don't know if they're newer, but I love, I love them. I love their sound. Set and It I, Off. I don't, yeah, <laughs> that's that's such a funny one to bring up. I so I, there's a venue. Sorry to get off track, but there's a venue called the Talent Farm, and we would watch bands like play. I saw so many cool bands come through there like in their like younger years and stuff. And like, like the band made a parade is from Florida and they would play there all the time when they were like not as big. Um, but that band set it off here specifically. Remember they were from like Northern Florida and they were just like, they played a South Florida show and the one band member had like a party city shirt on. And, and he was like, I just drove all the way down like straight up to work for the show. So good to be here. And like, they were like, not really anything back then and they blew up, but it's good to see it. They were there. That was just funny. You know, like how dedicated he was. He drove like four hours after work to come play a show. Oh, yeah. uh, they just launched a podcast. Uh, I forget what it's called. Set it off. Talk the it podcast. off. I think it's called talk it off. Talk it off. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, yeah, but it, yeah, I want to listen to theirs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So go ahead with your next song. Uh, <laughs> um, I will go with, mine's pretty mainstream. I'll go with Panic at the Discos. Lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking off her clothes. Yeah. Talk about them a little bit. Uh, this album is A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, and... I definitely know every single lyric still. I still listen to it sometimes. And I think one fond memory I have of this album is how like fast the lyrics were. And this is another like passionate song I chose, uh, which I love how dramatic, kind of like musical theater-esque. I guess like that's what lures me to both musicals and emo music is that drama involved in how it is so passionate and acting a little bit and there's one song in this album that's like super fast like like talking super fast and me and my sister whenever we played it in the car and it came on in the car we would challenge each other to not 
not misstep on the lyric and <laughs> say it, sing it perfectly. Uh, you know, and that's a fond memory I have with this album. So I think I still do it. I think I still like try to say say the whole song, sing the whole song without messing up. You know. Yeah, this is yeah. One of those albums too. This is one of those level up your emo albums. Like this is this album was so good. <laughs> it was so good, and it was that like, inner that intermission. Like, <laughs> oh my god, this is yeah. a game changing album. And it was like it's one of those straight through listen to. I can still listen to it to this day. It holds up. It was so good. It was so good that like I remember that this this album changed Fall Out Boy. Like I remember that Pete once like kind of discovered them and produced them, and he even said in an interview he's like I I'm so he's like I wish I wrote that album, and then like shortly after there is when you kind of saw Fall Out Boy's style type start to change, and they got more Panic at the Dis- Disco with mm-hmm. like with like Dance Dance and with like they became way more theatric. Panic at the Disco sort of like influenced Fall Out Boy, which is crazy. Yeah. Like a band have that you, was already established kind of got influenced by a younger band. Yeah. Have you seen Panic at the Disco live? I have never. Yeah. I would love uh, to. I, you know, if they, if they tour again, um, I would recommend it. I saw my first Panic at the Disco, actually my second Panic at the Disco concert, uh, like three, like three years ago. And he Brendan Urie puts on a sh- like he the first song because I love his newest their newest album like I love that I love how their sound has changed and evolved mm-hmm. and specifically what it's evolved into it's really beautiful uh, but he like popped out of the stage like he popped out of the stage there was just fire effects there was um, just the lighting and the 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 show that he puts on is uh, much like theater as well, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they're super theatric. And I remember like one thing specifically too is my friend like didn't like them, but he was just being a dick. I think he came around, but when he didn't like them, he's like, they just like use a lot of big words, and I was like, that's kind of like a good analysis in a way. Like he was insulting them, but at the same time, I'm like, you're so right. Like that's what it is. Is they're very theatric, and he also uses very eloquent speech like his his choice of words is so like precise and so like he uses really like intricate big words and in mm-hmm. his lyrics and i think it's pretty cool yeah one of my favorite um musical theater musical theater composers is jason robert brown and he's also known for his like vocabulary and like the words that he uses as well is that a rabbit in the background oh yeah we have a yeah we have a bunny. that's that's uh cricket Cricket he's, is he just hangs so outside cute. all day. He hangs out in his cage all day. He's just, spoiled, just walking around. Boy. Yeah, he just hangs out. He's hopping. He just hops around. He eats hay. We have a little, like, <laughs> we bought a little, like, there's, like, a little cat tunnel you can buy from Ikea. Yeah. And, like, your cat, like, walks through the tunnel. But, like, we just got it for him, and he just, like, walks through his little tunnel all day. So, he's so cute. Yeah, he's, he's the best. We had another rabbit. She just passed away recently. but So we've been kind of spoiling him more because so he's not, like, lonely. So we've been, like, leaving him out and, like, giving him extra stuff and like he's cool mm-hmm. he's, a little, he's a little homie he hangs out with all of our dogs and just like he's just part of the crew how many dogs do you have we have four dogs four dogs yeah cool yeah don't, t- don't tell our part of my complex but yeah panic, that's a good pick panic the disco uh, mm-hmm. my next one i'm going to choose is going to be say anything and i'm choosing this song oh. cemetery wow uh say anything is great they're not really like an emo band but they were definitely like an emo adjacent band like if you were into emo music you love say anything you know like they were on all the same tours as all the emo bands 
Yeah. Um, and it's, they have some songs that are like emo songs, but Cemetery is one of those. And this self-titled Say Anything album was like my favorite Say Anything album. I just love this band and I love this song. And yeah. That's beautiful. That's a, that's a really cool choice. I'm inspired by Say Anything. That's cool. They're so good. Yeah. They, <laughs> and I, I know Max Bemis is doing like some solo stuff now. And like um, someone said that his new album coming out was going to be like really good. So I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. I'm torn between, now I'm torn between my next songs because I feel like the format should be on this list. The format's always a good fit on these lists. Okay, my last two will be, no, I can't. You can also, it doesn't have to be exactly five. We can be a little. All right, I'll stretch it just a tiny bit. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the format. Um but this is a pick I didn't think about, so I have to now pick a song. They're an Arizona band too, right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of good bands came out of Arizona. Such good bands. Um, um, I feel like let's just go with the first single. I mean, that's a good one. It's Which very... One? The first single, okay. It's called the first single. It's very, it's very Arizona too. <laughs> <laughs> Those Arizona references, you know. Yeah. That was off their like first album, right? Yeah. Um, Two thousand three. Yeah, the first full length. Nice. Yeah, I mean that just that's a good one to listen to now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The format's awesome. And then I think now he's in that band group called Fun, right? Fun, yeah. But the format was coming back with a a concert as well. They awesome. they're trying to they were trying to do a concert. That'd be cool. Yeah. Let's see that. Yeah. All right. So the format. All right. Um my next song I'm gonna choose another emo all time classic. When you hear this album, you just like it's just one of those ones that hit differently. It's Jack's mannequin. And Thank I'm gonna go goodness. Thank you. Yes, and I'm going with the song I'm Ready, which is my favorite song on the album. This album is just like, this album is just this like album. summertime to me. It's like summertime drive. Like when I first, this album is like when I first started to drive and I had my own car and I would like go on like long drives. Like this was my road trip album. Like this is my summertime album. Like it's perfect album straight through. It's one of the best emo albums of all time. It really is. Yeah. Oh, it's a good one. Jack's Mannequin is solid. I did get to see them perform once. I saw well. that, yeah, me too. I luckily yeah. did twice. I saw, nice. I saw I saw once at Warp Tour, which was like not the right setting for them, but I, I was yeah. still just excited to see them. And then I saw them like in a proper venue after nice. that. But yeah. Super great. Oh, good one. Good song. Uh, I'm going to add... Uh, I'm going to add Cartel. Oh, nice. And I'm going to add Say Anything since you added Say Anything. <laughs> That's a good, I love that. <laughs> that the, Cartel was good. I like this album, uh, this Chrome, Chrome oh, album. And then you listen to like the last song, which ties in all the other songs. That was my favorite song on the album too. My friend mm-hmm. was like, it's too long. I'm like, I, I, I think it's great. And I like how Jack's Mannequin does that on their album. They don't tie in all that, but it's a long song and then it turns into another song. Um, when, an, when an album is like long and beautiful and awesome and then the last like two songs 
like go together super well and they like become like one big long song it's my favorite thing on an album like i love when that bands do that yeah it it wraps up this perfect it's then it is theatric and then it is like a masterpiece because like it's this this grand finale uh have you listened to ajr ajr no i don't i don't think i have um so their album neo theater is literally the start song kind of opens and then they close it with something they a reprise of that so it's a very showy and their and their concert their concerts are like you know uh an experience and they're kind of experimental as yeah. well so that's kind of reminds me of that whole like the show you know ajr okay Might yeah well that. yeah I love these. I love recommendations. Always send me recommendations, people. Yeah. <laughs> Always open for them. I um. That's awesome. Okay, cartels say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, for my next pick, I'm gonna go, and I think we, I think I have like two left. Um, so so talking about that, talking about finales, you're gonna change my pick now too. Um, there's a band <laughs> that I want to show you. I don't know if you've heard of the band All Get Out. No. All Get Out is awesome. And they're one of those bands too. They're a little bit newer of a band. Like when I say newer, like their first album came out 2011. Um, but they're, they're an emo band and they're, they're, their album This Season is one of those albums where you listen to it straight through and the last two songs are that way where it's like this like dramatic big thing. The, the second to last song is called Let Me Go. The last song is called Come and Gone. But um, I'm going to put that... Uh, what's, I'll do the first song on this album, My Friends, just to kind of get a feel for how like they sound and, and what's going on with them. But I, I just want you to check them out because All Get Out is great. And whenever you have the chance, I would say listen to this out al- this album of theirs. It's so good. Wow. This is going to be life-changing. It's going to be like emo nostalgia, but it's also going to be like new doors of emo. I'm going to re-energize my love for this genre. Yeah. I've done that. I've kind of like gone down like... When I when I love a thing, I sort of like to keep up keep up with it and see what's going on with it, and I love to find new bands that that I'm like it's it's good to know that like people that were inspired by this music the way that I was are making mm-hmm. music based on that. Like there's a lot of yeah. good modern emo bands, and I and I'm really happy about it. Yeah. Uh, random question. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to an emo night? I've been to some emo nights. Yeah, I've been to a yeah. few here and there. Yeah. That's awesome. They're always they're always fun. Uh, the one I went to at Rebel Lounge, the lead singer of Newfound Glory was DJing, and I got to go on stage and dance with some of the other crowd while he was DJing, and that's not something I ever thought in my lifetime I would say. <laughs> that's but so awesome. It's a very very cool experience. I love like when your like adult self is living out some of your like younger fantasies. You're like, I never, I never like really even planned for this to happen, and it's happening, and it's cool. I'm gonna let it happen. It was so cool. That's awesome. Like dreams come true. Can you imagine just being in a room, a crowded room full of people singing again to songs you love? Yeah, and that's what it was. It was just like us singing to those songs, and like huge crowd. Yeah, and even that feels like. You know, who knows when that will happen again. It's going to be glorious when it does, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it will be. <laughs> um, so my favorite band, one of my favorite bands, it would always make the top, is Bayside. Bayside, yes, I love them too. Um, I think this is their self-titled album. 
but I'm going to go with Blame It On Bad Luck. Yeah. That's the song, but yeah, it's a self-titled album. You can see all most of mine are from 2005. <laughs> that, was like, the, that was the that's golden year. I saw this TikTok the other day. Well, my girlfriend saw this TikTok and she like, I was about to take credit for it. She saw it. But she's there's a TikTok where this girl is like, I'm so jealous of you if you grew up in this era. And like, she was like talking about this time. And like, it's this younger. And I was like, it blew my mind to like see like a younger person that's like, I wish I would have grown up when you, and like someone like longing for our team. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I was like, to us, that's just life. To us, that's just what it's just being. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a time capsule. It doesn't seem like a time that's like, you know what I mean? Like you look back and like, oh, like the hippie generation or like this generation or like um, being for someone younger now to be like, man, I wish I was a teenager in 2005. Yeah. I feel that about like my parents, the music they grew up with. Like I love that. I love that music and like the 80s rock. And I'm like, oh, it must have been really awesome. I love listening to this music. Yeah. Bayside was a great band. Um, was they? They are a great band. They still are. Yeah, they're still doing, going strong. Um, yeah, I, I really love their acoustic album that came out in two thousand six. They had like all these yeah. acoustic versions of all these songs, and that was so good to me. I, yeah. listen, I need to listen to that soon. I'm seeing it right here. So, yeah, Bayside's great. They have they they actually have they actually have like one of the biggest circle pits I've ever seen. At really, shows. and I was like, that's kind of crazy. Wow, their their fans love them. They have like a super loyal fan base. Mm. Yeah, I uh, they're I just think I love all their lyrics. I love their sound, mm -hmm. uh, and I just can't get enough of it. So I wanted something. I mean, devotion and desire is like incredible, but I do also like I wanted something. I guess something else from blame, theirs. Blame it on the bad luck. To me, is like when you see Bayside live, that's the song that like gets people like excited. Like when that song comes <laughs> on, people go nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll, I think I'll just have one more. Okay. Yeah. And this is one of those Bayside Two is one of those like speaking of like tat tattoos and like emo tat like I would get that little bird on me tattooed somewhere. That little, little bird. Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really cool. I feel like I probably had the, some sort of sticker, a Bayside sticker or something. Stickers was a big deal, like especially yeah. at Warp Tour. I feel like I collected a lot of stickers. Yeah, getting that little like warp tour tote bag and like coming home with all the goods you collected throughout the day. Like Halloween, but emo Halloween. <laughs> but emo, yeah. <laughs> Sad, depressed Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Halloween, but we're all dressed in the same costume. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it truly is. Yeah. I, is, do they still do warp tour? They're going. To, I don't know. I think they had the last warp tour, which is like kind of mm -hmm. weird. Like weird timing is. Before COVID had even happened, I think the year before that was like Stopped. the final Warped Tour, which I think yeah. is appropriate. I think that for me, I mean, for me personally, like it was nice to see younger generations still going to Warped Tour, but like being 30 and going to Warped Tour is not the same. Like, by the end of the day, I'm always regretting it. I'm always like, why did I come here? It's just, I can it's barely, so painful. yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to last uh, like an hour. I barely can, you know, sit through concerts now. Like I kind of, yeah. I show up a little late and then I'm still like, ah, when are they, when are they getting on stage? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and, it's like, it's and like a band like, you love and you're just like, I, I, I know we can go. We can I go. paid like $50 for the ticket. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, it's a Tuesday night. You guys, I gotta go. 
Yeah. But see, like that, those are the things that we took for granted. Like now with COVID, it really is. I would love to just my feet no. because of a show now. I know. I know. It's definitely different now. <laughs> those first few concerts are going to be so special. Yeah. All right. Um, for my, la- I'll just choose one more song here. Um, my last song, I'm going to just go with. Uh, we're just we're just kind of wrapping this up with another emo, you know, emo staple. We're going with Silverstein, and I'm going to go with the song "My Heroine" off of uh, nice. "Discovering the Waterfront." I think it's a great, another great emo album, another great emo band that was like a pinnacle of that time. Mm-hmm. And I think it really was like, yeah, that album was really special for me too. Mm-hmm. Good, good choices. You're putting in those those uh, those staples, making sure, sure they're yeah. in there. <laughs> I usually like on this podcast. I typically go with a lot of deep, deep cuts and like random things that I just want to like show people. Like, kind of, I, I give you a couple here, but um, this one I just wanted to go real straight nostalgia and real like just real straightforward with what I used to love. Yeah, it was fun checking these out again. Yeah, I feel like we have to have. I mean, we don't have Fall Out Boy in there, but we should throw one on there. We can do because my choice was nobody puts baby in the corner. Um, but then my. <laughs> Then my other choice, because I feel like we have to have My Chemical Romance in there. Oh, yeah. And Cemetery Drive would be my choice for that. Um, so those are the two that I had for, like, staples for me. All right. I'll, I'll add them both. Cemetery Drive and Nobody Puts Baby <laughs> in the Corner. This is not a – there's not a lot of rules in this podcast. Like, this seems like there's rules when you show up, and then it's like, there's none. It feels like it. And then you're like, yeah. no, we break the rules. That's what emo is all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Breaking the rules. Uh, were, were those kind of like your two like last picks, or is it? Yeah, those are yeah. those are my two last picks. Yeah. Sweet. So there's everybody. Yeah. There's our playlist, our emo playlist with Jennifer. Uh, I think it was. I think it's gonna be a, such a good playlist, and I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is it's great, and um, I'm excited for you to check those bands out that I kind of recommend. Lydia, uh, some All Get Out. So it's gonna kind of let me know what you think about that. Um, I love all the ide- emo ideas you have, and I love how how much you love this genre. It's so cool to talk to people about it. Yeah, thank you so much. I learned I learned so much too. I did too. Yeah, and we should definitely. I'll have you back on another time. We'll do. What, what was our idea? The emo uh, emo da- emo dance or emo, emo workout. Emo workout. Emo workout. Yeah, or an emo dance playlist. We'll do another one sometime. It's a good amount. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so good. tell people where they can follow you, Jennifer, and tell yeah. people they should check out. I'm uh, most of my work is pretty much on Instagram. So I'm at Jennifer underscore Giralo. And I'll definitely tag you in everything too. And I'll, I'll, when I put this episode up and everyone make sure you follow Jennifer and this has been such a great time, Jennifer. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and glad we finally got to do it. Thank you so much. You too. And everyone, thanks for listening. <laughs>